podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Carver Show. Did not want to do this show. It was horrendous. It was disgusting. 3-0. 3-0. Brighton 3, Liverpool 0. I mean, absolutely frustrating. Absolute garbage. Even more frustrating after Jurgen Klopp's um, uh, comments uh, before the game in the press conference. Yeah, just bitterly, bitterly disgusting. Busted I am, and um, I've got two excellent guests with me on this pod who are going to talk to me, and it's going to be quite cathartic, and it's going to be a good little um, therapy session. Maybe just get some th- things off our chest, and uh, yeah, let's let's talk about this. So, joining me today on this show is um, John Buskell. John, welcome back. Hi, Nina. Thank you very much for having me on the show. No, it's an honour having you on, John. And, um, you know, listeners need to be aware and people that are joining us live on Discord, who are, there's plenty of them. Um, you know, we got onto, onto the call today and, uh, you know, you are such a happy, upbeat person and uh, you sounded so bemused and I was like, just save it for the pod. Just, we are not going to talk about anything. We're going to save it. We're going to keep it raw. But, John, thank you so much for joining us. And joining John on the podcast, I've not spoken to this guy in a really, really long time. Um, it's great to have him back on speaks so much sense and boy do I need him to kind of make sense of what I just watched today it's Tom Tom welcome back thank you for having me uh sense might be a bit of a stretch because I'm not sure anyone can make sense of that but we can do our best as a as a group absolutely yeah that's that's Tom James he used to come on the show um earlier on in 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 the season and now it's great to have him back on so guys before I get to our first caller, I just want to have a quick chat with both of you two. I mean, I'll come to Tom first. Tom, how are you feeling after that? Just the feeling. <sighs> um, to be honest, I, I'm normally more optimistic than anyone going into any game. I always, I've always just mm. kind of had that mindset of it doesn't matter what form we're in. I always just go in feeling that a little bit positive. Like We're Liverpool, we should be able to get a result. It, today yeah. I just felt a bit different. I didn't go in with any expectation, and even without expectation, it still hurt because that has got to be up there with the worst performances we've seen in this era. I know, I know exactly what you mean, and um, yeah, deeply frustrating. And for me as well, John. I mean, you've heard what Tom said there. For me, I looked at that team lineup, and obviously with Klopp saying Nunes is out and stuff, and I wasn't one bit surprised with. You know the, the the players he's got available, and also the the players that he would pick. So uh, for me, I was just I kind of went into this with not the greatest hopes and expectations, and yeah, um, I just feel really numb. I guess that's my overriding um, emotion, I'm just numb. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts. How are you feeling? 
I think my overriding emotion is sad, actually. Mm. I, uh, I didn't hold out much for this game, given the lineup, given what's been going on lately. And I, I know there's quite a lot of, you know, upset and anger going on in the community and people struggling to understand. But I think really coming away from it, the overriding feeling for me is, is sad. And I think, you know, I think that's something I'd like to dig into as we discuss the game. And hopefully everyone listening will get a sense of positivity in something from what we talk about today. Hopefully, hopefully. And you know what? We've got our first caller who actually was the first one said, I'm going to, I want to be a caller before I even put out the, the call um, on, on Discord. It's Justin Wells. Justin. Hey, so my point here, pardon my background noise. I want, when I call in, I'm walking to the subway from 11 But um, do you think Klopp has lost the dressing room? And if he has, what do you think he needs to do to get it back? That's, that's really where I am. Um, I just want to understand, really, like, what, what are, what's being asked of these players? And are they just effectively in their own head saying, I can't do what's being asked of me? Or, you know, is it just they uh, aren't choosing to do what's being asked of them? Because to me, the way in which we look right now is we're just waiting for one of our, you know, superstar players to do something great. And everybody's just passing responsibility on to everybody else. So the question just, you know, is what it is. Has Flop lost him? What can he do to get him? Okay, it seems that we might have lost Justin there for a little moment. I think he was speaking. But yeah, we got the gist of, of the of the question and John I'm going to come to you because again that's going to be thrown around a fair bit has Klopp lost the dressing room now for me losing the dressing room and I think Justin alluded to this as well it falls into two categories one we want the manager sacked or secondly lost it because of faith of not the managers simply asking me to do something that I don't that I don't feel comfortable with or that I can't do another little um uh, I guess there's a lot of conspiracy theories around Liverpool at the moment Another theory that I'm seeing is Pep Linders has too much control and too much power over what goes on in training and how we set up um, uh, in terms of a team and also the the tactical side of things. So could it be that they've lost faith in, if that is true indeed the case, if he is, you know, the one that they've lost, you know, um, confidence in? It's really, really hard to tell, but I'd like to get your thoughts on this and how do we fix it, John? Because for me... How do you fix that? If 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 Pep Linders is the problem, then the solution is no. You take a back seat, and I it's all on me now. And if it is indeed Jurgen Klopp that is picking the players, going through all the motions and training, then surely he has to look at these players and think. Well, then he has to double in the transfer window because he needs a new set of players who are going to believe into his new philosophy and his new ideas. And players are going to run through walls for him, which clearly we did not see today at all at any moment. No, exactly. I think, I mean, there's huge amounts of stuff to unpack there. I think, yeah. you, know, for, for, you know, first of all, you know, we have to put it on the table. We, this, you know, always the talk about the dressing room, that's pure speculation on our part. We, we don't know. But if, we, if we're based on what we're seeing and seeing on the pitch... The players, to me, look like they don't know what they're doing. You've got players running out of position. You've got Thiago sweeping up things at the back. You've got Matip 
you know he he's moving forward and and then Trent covers for him then you know Henderson's not shielding Trent and and you know we get these it, it's like so so, I, so what I could imagine is that the players are confused and feel that they've lost the system because it seems to me that that's that's what's missing we've we've changed tactics I, I, from what it, it looked like after the the restart after half time it looked like the the system changed again but i think there's a sense of what i see is disorientation i don't see we've lost the dressing room and of course it's impossible to know that but just to sort of tie that up to an, uh, the umbrella, the top-level point that I wanted to make is that if you look at what Klopp does at Dortmund, at Dortmund he doesn't successfully bring through a transitional team. He doesn't transition the squad particularly. And then he starts to get more grumpy and things sort of fall apart and he becomes dispirited. Yeah. Now, you know, is it his attitude his disappointment that is losing the way with the team or is it the other way is it the fact that the players are not capable of picking things up we have got an aging squad so i mean like justin's question i mean there is lots of speculation but what i i clearly think i think you can see from the players on the pitch they seem disorientated they're not playing a system that they recognize that there is not that coherence there's not the passion and then when you look to the sidelines I've never seen Klopp so unanimated, hardly reacting physically, just looking lost. So that there is a sort of, there must be something in the psychology here. Absolutely, there must be. And Tom, same question to you. You've heard what John said. You've heard my thoughts as well. And you've heard um, Justin's uh, question. Something else I was thinking as well was if, if indeed Klopp has lost the dressing room, as some people will speculate now, the way he defends these players to the hill in the press conference and everything, I mean, like, surely now, if that is the case, is the time to say, no, I actually need reinforcements. Like, these, these, you know, these players need to get gone now. Yeah, I mean, if there's ever going to be a catalyst for some sort of change in approach, it was going to be now. Um, I mean, well, I say that probably should have been before today but if, if it's not going to be today it's probably not going to be ever especially not during January um, yeah I mean as far as Klopp losing the players it's I mean you watch the game and it certainly can definitely make a case for it like the performance definitely looks that way but then it's just kind of goes against everything that you know about the manager and about the group of players that we've got especially when arguably one of the biggest strengths in Klopp's Arsenal and also one of the biggest problems we probably have faced is that he's been over-loyal to the players. So if he's been over-loyal to players and that's how they respond to that and that's how they repay him, then that's a, a really concerning <laughs> issue. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as losing the dressing room, I'm not too sure about that. It's... Yeah, it's... <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of dumbfounded by it all and it's... One of those things I think we, where even we're starting to see, even we say lose the dressing rooms, I'm even starting to see some of the most reasonable members of the fan base that you know kind of start to at least start asking questions, which, you know, from experience kind of starts to looks a bit like the start of an end, but you, you don't want to believe that. You want to believe that this man can turn it around and. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a massive advocate, as as big as advocate as anyone is getting new players in and we need to re- like freshen the midfield up. But 
I can't say that watching that today, even like one brand new fresh midfielder would have changed that much. Would have helped, but I don't think it would have changed the result. There's definitely systematic problems. There's definitely morale issues. And yeah, I think there's uh, a lot that needs to be changed and transfer is just one of them. I think that's fair. Let me see if Justin's still online because I know he was going to catch. Justin, you there? There he is. Still here. Still here. I mean, Wonderful. John has an extremely fair point, which is it, it, it is speculative. I don't necessarily like. I'm not. I don't necessarily know if he's lost it or not, or just they can't do what's being asked of them. And if they can't do what's being asked of them, then you have to stop being so dogmatic and try to find things that you, that suit your squad. Like. Mm-hmm. We'd probably be a lot more uh, productive if we sat deep and countered, which is terrible to watch, but probably what we have in our engine right now. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. No, I, I think that's fair. So that's that's just in there, um, kicking things off on the Nina Calza show. Um, let's carry on talking about this game. John, I'll come to you. I mean, the first place we've got to start is um, the simple fact of, um, uh, you know, like like myself, you looked at that team lineup and it didn't fill you with much confidence. Of course, there's an array of injuries. We know about them. Uh, some real, real, real big key figures in that team that were missing. And then, of course, um, I think the big concern was what is he going to do in the midfield? What is he going to do in the midfield? I know he doesn't have many options, but... You know, now is the time to kind of change it up and, um, you know, maybe, I know it wouldn't have been ideal, but, you know, throw on maybe a navigator, you know, into into the mix, into the start of things. And it didn't quite happen. I mean, we saw Ox playing on on the left-hand side there as well. You know, I, I guess those two were probably the two alarming aspects of what Jurgen Klopp did. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair, Nina. I think when I saw the team sheet, my heart sunk a little bit. I kind of expected uh, Kaita to come in because in the previous match against Wolves, when he came on, he certainly looked like he had the capacity to get us both moving up the pitch, but also providing a bit of protection, uh, primarily around Thiago, actually. Um, and then I would have thought that maybe Henderson would come in a bit later in the match. Yeah. Because, of course, you know... <laughs> His form's not been great since the World Cup, but he is a player who is capable of, of really fulfilling a particular role. I don't think he can do it for 90 minutes. You know, we can't game on, you know, two games a week, three games a week anymore. But he's certainly shown, has a track record, still is able to put in a great performance. But I just didn't think that the... the 
I just the team didn't fill me with confidence. I didn't see where there was where there was aggression, where there was pace. And within about 15 minutes of the game, I didn't see aggression. I didn't see pace. And it looked like already, this is why I referred to sort of psychology beforehand. It was like we almost came on sort of half limping, ready to sort of, you know, just go through the motions. I, I personally, because in the last question, you know, you've you floated the idea of, you know, is Pep Linders driving this? Is he tactically responsible? Look, Klopp's name is on the the ball. He's the manager. Do you know what I mean? He puts the team out there. He has to stand by that. And I think whether it's him and Linders working in, in close collaboration or whether, you know, they, they have to stand up for it. And I just don't think at the moment we have the squad depth to be able to deliver. But that doesn't wash because it's points on the table that count. You know, when I talk to non-Liverpool fans, they all say, well, Liverpool got stacks of money more than our club's got. Um, you know, you've got all these other great players and I'll say, well, this person's not playing, Jota's not there, Diaz isn't there. But they'll still say, you know, you've got a, a range of, of, of world-class players. So, I mean, I, I, I wasn't that pleased with the team sheet. But what would you do, you know, Tom, <laughs> Nina, what would you do given the, given the squad that's available? It's it's a real real tough one, and Tom, I'm I'm going. We'll, we'll answer that, but Tom, I'm going to come to you. I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts on the team lineup, and you know, what do we do with with regards to you know the, the conundrum and the players that we have at disposal? I mean, J- Justin kind of alluded to something as well there, where you know he kind of wanted to kind of play an ugly game, and in a sense that you know just drop deep and uh, be be professional and I guess that was the difference between for me the performance against Man City and this one now you know people like James Milner played in that game at left back if my memory serves me correctly or was it right back I can't remember he played yeah Milner started right back Milner started right back and you know he had a really really disciplined game Elia as a result had to be very very disciplined and stay very close to him basically every player performed to their function to the best of their ability did not take the eye off the ball took the opposition seriously were alert mentally and physically and stuck to the assignment and the issue I had with today and John you touched on this as well um was the simple fact that we looked really slow. You spoke about the first 15 minutes, John. I felt like we could not even, we weren't winning the second ball. We couldn't string passes together. It was all Brighton. Lalana looked like an absolute worldie, which is concerning enough. They were having, they were running absolute rings around us. They had control. They had possession. They had pace. They were able to play the through balls. They were, you know, you know, breaking, um, uh, breaking our lines. They were doing everything that I expect Liverpool to do, and Liverpool were doing nothing. And how they have gone completely one eighty on themselves is absolutely baffling in in a season, and it just hurts my head. I don't know if it's physical tiredness. It can't be that because I'm sorry, everyone's playing the same amount of games. I- just do what is wrong with them and it's actually really really concerning and the fact that that midfield offered no support in terms of defense offered nothing in terms of attack our attack I mean you bought Gakpo I can't even get excited about him at the moment 
because of what's going on. But the attack was completely snuffed. I mean, Tom, just, yeah, sorry, I just had to unpack some things out of my head there. I just had to get it out. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Understandable. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I picked up probably in the first few minutes today. I think, you know, I think a lot of the fans kind of went in with very little expectation today, which is bad. Yep. But what scared me within the first few minutes is that there was almost, a, I could almost see a fear within the players. Every time the ball, like, I think it was in the first 20 seconds, I lost my head a bit where the ball dropped to Henderson where he had more than enough time to bring it down start playing football just keep mm. the ball moving move the ball on and let's try to get some rhythm just balls dropped to him and he's just tried to clip it clip it in behind well I say clip it he just stuck his foot through it there was no thought really behind it and that was the scary part is that the players almost had looked like they had as much fear going into today's game as we did as fans and you know the belief is probably I mean if we don't have that I don't know what we're going to have going forward and you're right about the City game. That should have been the performance that kind of started our season. That should have been the some, the, the performance. The, yeah. the, exactly. The, the, what we used to kick on because one of the main issues we've had is that we keep trying to do the same thing, play the same system, and it's not working, yet we keep trying to do it. And that was, the, I think, as far as the team sheet today, I, I wasn't really expecting much different, but you kind of want something different, whether it's just like some sort of system change. And like you said, the City game was that moment this season where I felt like Klopp did kind of get hold of whatever ego or stubbornness he had towards his system and thought, all right, let's let's be a bit more pragmatic. What hasn't been working, what what we have been doing hasn't been working. We're playing Man City and if we don't change that, we're going to, yeah, I dare to think if we played like we did today against someone like Man City, what would have happened, especially with Haaland playing the way he was at the time. And yeah, that felt like a moment and it felt like, right, we've got a hold on our system. We've kind of figured out at least a, a temporary approach to get us through and get results and figure out how we're going to at least take things from me up until the international break, the World Cup break. But it kind of reverted back to normal. And I know we finished okay just before the World Cup. The performances weren't great, but we got results. Yes. But we we we, we looked like we had another idea. And it's now reverted back to the same thing. And we just keep going game by game, doing the same thing. It's not working and kind of hoping at some point it clicks, which is so dangerous. It's so dangerous. And I don't really know where we go from here, how he does that. I don't think... 
signings are the me- I say it will help but I think it's a system issue right now I don't know if new players are going to fix they're not going to fix everything I'd be honest with you, I'd like to see some freshness. At least I can justify you struggling with the setup and the formation because you knew these guys are just churning out the same performances week in, week out, and I'm meant to be okay with it. John, I'm going to come to you now. We all know, and the stats also back this up as well, Brighton are a possession-based team. They like to have the ball. They move it really well. What really, really triggered me about this game was the fact that one thing that we used to be really good at was pressing. We used to bully teams, force them into errors, take the ball and then hit them on the counter and just be absolutely clinical. We were so pedestrian. We let them have the ball, let them move it around, switch the play, play, you know, um, let let their attackers play off our defenders' shoulders. We just did everything that you would that Brighton were good at. We let them capitalize on that, and that was my deeply frustrating thing. Like, okay, they're a possession based team. You press them. Nothing. I think the only time I saw a player show some metal in the midfield was I think Thiago in the second half after the subs were made. Yeah, uh, I think it was on seventy two minutes. He rushed back and makes a, a tackle in the box. Uh, sort of leading the way, uh, uh, yes, completely. I think I, I th- while Tom was speaking there, uh, something occurred to me. It's almost a bit like a, a perfect storm. Now, you know, look, I'm I'm not a psychologist, so this is, you know, pure pop psychology on my part. But in a way, there's the high self-esteem cycle and the low self-esteem cycle, you know. And if you think about it, enthusiasm if if you've got a lot of self-esteem you're enthusiastic you try hard you 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 go the extra mile and in performance in sport you uh, for me i associate that with energy you know using using my body re, you know powerfully aggressively pre, cho, you know f- taking up the the press but then the opposite of that is you know the the low self-esteem cy- cycle and if you perform poorly you start to you know you don't work as hard you feel worse about yourself your energy levels go down and it's almost like this sort of perfect storm that we were a, a high self-esteem cycle that w- you know we were caught in that of playing great energetic winning doing so well and then it's almost like, you know, you get this third order, sort of something that goes wrong that knocks you off. And once you get caught in this loop of so, so low self-esteem, you know, the players going away after tonight's match, not feeling good about themselves. They seem to have, you know, gone in on their, sh- on their um, shells. Even now you see the pictures of Klopp, you know, uh, with his hands together, bowing, you know, praying, you know, showing apology to the fans. Yeah. Uh, after the match, it's almost like you know all. This is not this. This is low self-esteem. We want to see passion. We want to see enthusiasm, energy to be up for it. And this is where I'm actually really concerned. If Klopp takes on board, and this is why I, I think when I said earlier on, you know, he's standing on the sidelines. He's not enthusiastic. He's not yelling at the players. He's slow to react. It's almost like he's he's caught up into this negative cycle himself, and that feeds through to the players. That feeds through to the performance. How do we change? How do we change that? I think the fan base saying, you know, bring bring in a great signing. It gives us a lift. 
you know even even if not necessarily tactically it's it, that's what we need to 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 change things i'm not saying we need a signing but we need something small to break our way that makes us feel like things have turned good for us again then i think you start to see the the performance levels increase then i think you start to see the press because i can't believe that i cannot believe that klopp has entirely said klopp and linders has said don't press pass it around uh, be passive in the midfield give the ball to tiago to try and pick something out or give it to trent to whip something in because we built our reputation we won things on our power on our aggression, on the fullbacks attacking, the defence giving them a platform, protecting the backs. So I understand. I understand your feeling, but I, you know, I think it's a perfect storm. I think we're caught up in a negative cycle that needs to change, that needs to be broken. Who's going to fix that for us? And I think it's only when we get that that will bump us back into enthusiasm, energy, and winning ways. Yeah, uh, it's very sad to see Jurgen Klopp holding his hands there and asking, you know, um, uh, you know, sort of begging for an apology. And yeah, yeah ac- ac- accepted, but please now eat your words and acknowledge the fact that this isn't working and he needs players. He does need players. I don't care what anyone says. It will fix a big amount of things. Okay, it might be a horrible season um, in terms of transitioning them players, but he needs to buy somebody. He cannot look at that ageing midfield that has no industry, that looks leggy, that looks tired. The fact that, you know, Thiago is our best midfielder and he looks leggy and tired. Yeah, and I mean... Is, it's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. And I think, you know, Nina, what strikes me is look at the Benitez side. Is it is it 08, 09 that comes so close that are fantastic? Torres that is, you know, full pomp and Jared both at their best. And they fall, they just fall short. What happens the next season? <laughs> things yeah. things go really, really bad. They get caught up and ultimately it doesn't end well. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think a signing, even if a signing doesn't necessarily make us immediately better on the pitch, it could give us that boost. And I would think it would actually improve things. It would. And you know what? It's something to look forward to next season as well. You know, like just that bolstering, you know, options in the midfield where Jurgen Klopp has the flexibility of having players to change up the formation, change up the system, have different players with different skill sets. I mean, a player that we're linked to from Brighton, Caicedo, absolutely ran things. He was ridiculously good. Tom, I mean, we're just, there is no structure to this part. I just want people to just speak feelings mm-hmm. because I think there's a lot of feelings, um, you know, today. So, um, uh, yeah, if you just want to join in and uh, share your part. Of course, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of echo everything you guys are saying about signings. I mean, what I meant when I say I'm not sure signings change much at this stage. I mean, signings should have already happened and we should yes. be playing. We should be more refreshed. We should, because the the things that the best teams have done over I don't know, the course of football history, the best teams have always just freshened things up. It doesn't need to be a superstar every summer. You don't need to spend the 80, 100 million. But getting those... 30, 25, 30, 40 million pound players once a summer just to freshen up a position, just to give a little bit of a kick up the arse to the, some of the players that have levels have dropped, things like that. Those are the kind of things, and, and coaching staff as well, refreshing that on a, it's, you know, I think Sir Alex Ferguson used to do it. He used to re- just, without real prompt, just refresh his coaching staff every few years just to give fresh ideas. And I think. 
that's where our problems have lied is where in terms of physicality yeah we our, our energy levels our fitness levels and things like that i'm sure the midfield in particular it's just been spread thin they've worn thin with very and the fact that we've only bought one midfielder in the last four or five years has been the catalyst for them you know the hendersons the favinos and stuff just absolutely being ran into the ground and not being able to f- cope physically anymore not freshening that position up is is costing massively and yeah it's just all snowball effect and kind of hit us all at once where i think the back end of last season was them given probably the last bit of everything they had and the the last bit of the Liverpool that we know over the last few years, that was probably the end of that cycle because I think without being able to refresh those positions and give those people rotational options to give them what's really just reasonable minutes on the pitch and reasonable workload, it's just it's gonna take its toll over after a certain amount of time and like I say, if 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 we had uh, a new midfielder that came in and started today, I'd probably I still think we would have lost the game. But it's just because it's it's kind of too little, too late at this point for this season to where our squad is at. It should have been done way early, and these players like Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, they shouldn't be as tired as they are. So if we brought someone in tomorrow, I don't see a, a great deal changing by the end of the season. But it. <sighs> it should have been done already and if we do start to bring in the players I expect it to have a, have an effect for, over the next couple of years opposed to immediate I'm sure it'll help and it'll freshen things up but I still think there's a lot there that's yeah I think the damage is done in midfield yeah we need to now um, uh, sort of um, you know build on it uh, because Naby Keita's gone the fact that he's not signing a contract, the fact that Jurgen Klopp does not play him, that's another midfielder down. So, yeah, I don't care. You just need to start buying midfielders. You need to buy midfielders that will function in this team and you need to at least throw money at one good one this 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 window because we have had some great progress in the January window. We've bought some great players and I'm not having that, that it takes a player to settle in for ages. You know what? Your Our backs are against the wall. We're out of the league. We're probably going to be at the Champions League if we play like this. If we play like this, top four looks very, very, very dubious at the moment. I say bin off the FA Cup at this point. Just throw everything into league. We need that top four finish and build for next season. You know, take this season as the COVID football season, as in just make the do the bare minimum, get top four, throw everything at it, and he's going to have to get a player. He might have to get two. But he needs to do something. But you know what? Again, I'm just ranting and um, I'm going to bring our next caller in who's patiently waiting. It's Harinda. Harinda, are you there? I am indeed. Welcome to the show. Sorry, we're just like, we're just speaking our feelings on this show today. <laughs> oh, no, listen, I'm going to tell you my feelings. I mean, I've been listening to what you guys have been saying well, since I got out of the ground, give or take. And that thing about high esteem, low esteem, it's no esteem. There's not even a high, there's not even a low, it's none. No esteem. And you forgot the full stop in your sentence where you said, you know, about looking forward or something to look forward to next season. That's The full stop should have happened after two. Something to look forward to, full stop, next season. Because this season, this is vicious shit. 
this this is bad. Like it's um so we're just so open. Like so open. And as soon as they as soon as Brighton realized how open we were, you could see how they exploited it within six minutes. Six. Yep. Trent's out of position and the ball goes over him. And Mitomo then goes, you know what? I've got you. He was over fantastic over today, again. by the way. He had but so it's not a, so, but it's so it's fucking stupid Solly March against uh, yeah. Robbo. Now, in previous seasons, Solly March would be eaten alive by Robbo. Yeah. It would be. This season's like, wow, okay. We're not going to do anything about this, folks? Hello? You're, you're looking at it. I mean, I'm looking at it from behind the goal. So... You can see gaps. You can't see people being offside very well. I don't care what any away fan says. There's certain things that you can't see. Um, you're not going to see offsides very well. Ours or theirs at all because of the position that you're in. But you'll be able to see gaps. Similar to how players will see gaps. Um, it was just bad. Like, so bad. You know, we're so, so open. It's like, you know, if, you were, if you were a fisherman and you cast a net called Liverpool FC, you ain't catching no fish. All the fish will get through. So fuck that, we're not getting anything. It's terrible. And yes, Crop can fold his hands. He can, you know, be apologetic to the fans. The fans can lap it up because it's Klopp and we accept quite a lot because it's Klopp. But at some point, we do have to turn around and say, look, you know what, Klopp or otherwise, this needs to be fixed. Someone's got to make some decisions. And if it's not going to be him, then who? Because Very, the team between them are the team between them are making decisions, and some of the decisions they're making they're fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry, I've been listening to what you guys have been saying in regards to Tiago and how he was and thing else. You get sucker punched like every time, and you, you can see it for like the, um, some of Brighton's transitions and the way that they played. If Tiago attacked the ball, they suddenly realised that you know what? If he doesn't get it, we're through. Let's just make sure he doesn't get it. And when in the first half he did have the ball, they realised also if two of us pressure him, we can get the ball from him. And they did. Then they realised they could hit Tiago, to Fabinho, and they did. Then they realised they could hit to Henderson, and they did. Then they realised they could hit to the front line, and they did. They just carried on and on. Ibu was the only one that I think could give himself some sort of credit in the first half in respect to how he um, carried himself, as well as Alison Becker. You know, but we're back to where we were again, 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 again. The same conversations are happening, right? The same things are being repeated. At some point, it's like a bit like the 2021 season. You've got to wake up and say to yourself, you can't keep on doing the same shit on a, on a different day and expecting a different outcome. Because this very much feels like that January all over again, which started with a loss to Burnley at home. But it's almost as if we got to this point earlier in the season and got away with a few and then we didn't get away with anything. And then we tried to recover it and change things. And then we said, you know what, fuck it, let's revert to type. No lessons are being learned. I've reached that conclusion today of all days that no lessons are being learned. It, and you know what, okay, Nunes was out. That's one player of us out. But you know, then you change your team. You have to change your structure. You can't keep on saying we'll do 4-3-3, you know, and be as open as possible and play a wide, expansive game with a team that is happy to run through you and did run through you. It ran through you. There's no two ways of looking at it. There's no other way of looking at it. They ran through you. 
because as soon as they realized they could, they did. And what did we do about it? Not a lot. Remarkable change when the um, subs came on, but only they can do so much. But also, throwing them on at 68 minutes. You should have made those subs at half time, Jurgen, because your team was awful. You were very lucky to go in at nil nil. Do you know what I mean? You were very, very lucky. Yeah, you but, but this is the time. whole thing, right? It's like yeah. you, you sit there and think that there, there is this belief that you know, you know, the team out there will fix it, but they're not going to fix it. They're not. If they could, they would have. But as soon as the first goal went in, you could see that they couldn't. And it's not as if Brighton didn't threaten any of that positioning or um, way of play in the first half. They did it countless times. It's just that they didn't finish very well. And they had no natural shoot, no natural goal scorer. Then all of a sudden, they thought to ourselves, you know what, if we maneuver ourselves into the 18 um, yard box and we put something across and someone runs onto it, they're not going to get to it. And slowly March realized that and scored. It is terrible, man. It really is painful to even say it out loud, let alone write it at half time saying, like, this is shit. I don't know. You know even when they, you know, the penalty, which was an offside decision, or fouled, I can't remember which of the two, sorry, um, it was, he was offside. But it felt like a let-off. Like, it genuinely felt like a let-off. Because as I said, you can't tell it's offside when you're behind a goal. But it just felt like, oh, shit, here we go. And Brighton, if they just got a penalty and scored, you couldn't begrudge him it. You couldn't, just because of the way that the play had gone and, um, and everything else. I remember I called in after the Brentford game. You know, like you thought, you know, that they, they need to just fix this shit. They need to fix it. Yeah. I don't know if they will. I mean, obviously, I can't see Klopp's body language in the way that you guys are describing it from where people are sitting in the away end. You can't. But you can see what the players are doing. You know, Henderson, have a go at go, um, Matip, Matip remonstrate back. And for, hilariously, Hendo was actually right when he had a go at um, Matip in the first half because Matip was way out of position. And I was like, going, I can't see where he's saying that. But then so was he, as in regards to Henderson. But then so was Trent. But then so was Fab. And so was everybody else. You're like going, you know, like it's, it's all over the shop. I, I don't, genuinely, for the first time in ages, I don't know where we go from here if they have an outright refusal. And refusal is probably the harshest way of saying this. Um, but fuck it, that's where we are. If there's an outright refusal to buy players who will give that midfield energy because there's none in it. It really is. It does feel like watching people who let the ball go past them and realise that, you know, if it had been a few seasons ago, I could run after that, but I can't do it anymore. It's not for a lack of willing. They just can't. The legs ain't there. The energy's not there. So then everyone's going to go through us. What are we going to do? You buy nothing, do nothing changes, then nothing will change and it will stay the same and it'll just get worse progressively and morale will sink. Even lower. Yeah, it's just going to go even lower. It's going to go through the floor. And then the only way is up. Once you do hit, but once you hit that rock bottom and you're looking for the way up, the way up is back, back up is hard again. We've been there. Mm-hmm. You think back to Klopp's first season, we've been there. We've been at rock bottom and make, you know, working our way up again. Do we really want to go back to that? Either? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, 
but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. It feels very Tottenham <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Um, it is one of them. Right, Harinda, anything else to say? Yeah, I'm just sorry that, you know, you have such a nice panel on as well. And John after such a long time and they have to tolerate this show. Deserved a win, right? Absolutely. I think we all did, you know, and you yeah. travelling there as well, you know, you guys travelling there and Most lucky time know. as well, bright in a way. I had so many chances to go in previous seasons, but always something else something would crop up from the family side of things. And today was the first time in age I could actually go without any impediment whatsoever. I was like, Yay, finally gonna go there. And I thought I was, you know what, and I had prepared myself. I genuinely thought we're probably gonna be shit. So don't hype yourself up for a win. If you get a draw, you'll be okay. If you nick a 1-0, you'll be okay. But it's not going to be like any other season here whereby, you know, I can do something or something's going to happen. You know, more than likely, something won't. And if it is something won't, then it's probably going to be bad. And, and sadly, I feel a bit right in the most worst way possible. But yeah. Can it get worse? Possibly. Will it get worse? Possibly as well. You can't even say don't know anymore. I'm that gloomy front. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm that gloomy front. It's like, okay, yeah, well, okay, bye. <laughs> no, it's, it's completely justified. I think we're all feeling like that. But Harinda, thank you so much for calling. No problems. Really appreciated it. And, um, you know, but you've made some really good, good points there. But thank you so much. Okay, so that was Harinda, our second caller. John, I'm going to come to you. Uh, Harinda touched on something there. And one of the bright spots for me in... In the first half was probably Konate. You know, my commentators kept saying he needs to be switched on. And boy, was he really switched on. You know, um, reading things um, really looked like he was the only one that turned up for the shift, understood the assignment, you know, was um, marking with intelligence, was clearing things with intelligence, had some command. He had a, he was a commanding presence in that back line because it was going to be exposed. And I thought he had a really a good first half, which... Is great, but then really, really sad at the same time, given the fact that he was literally carrying on the entire responsibility. Yeah, for a young guy, he was. He was the sort of standout player in the first half. Um, I mean, some just some fantastic comments there from Harinda. It was a really, really, really good co- you know, bunch of comments there. And I think the fact that you highlight Ibu, it's almost like you know, this is the quintessential Klopp player aggressive, powerful, on the front foot, capable of pressing. You know, when it's one of your defenders, 
you know, I sat there hoping for a corner. We didn't get very many corners, if any. You know, hoping for a corner because Ibu attacks the ball. You know, absolutely fantastic. Um, I think what I wanted to say, though, just as a to follow up on what Harinda said, um, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again with the, you know, the, the same bad results. You know, Napoli, <laughs> Aston Villa, Brentford. Now that, you know, we've got, th- this has become, this is this is become in a way it's almost becoming the norm and when the when the players you know when you've got a player like ibu obviously trying to react henderson trying to react but not being able to react many of them trying but not not being able to you know this is where klopp has to take responsibility very difficult being the the manager of a club because of course he's under contract you know <laughs> he doesn't employ himself uh, we've got a, we've got owners that are, you know, as we know, looking for more investment, looking to to possibly sell. Klopp is never going to question things in public. You don't do that because it comes back to bite you. You know, that the, it's almost like in such a small spate of time, we've got into a difficult situation. What I wanted to say is this, you know, I'm long in the tooth. I'm coming up. I'll be 53 this year. Um, Liverpool in the past were hard nosed. The, you know, Fagans, the Paisleys, the Dalglishes of this world knew when to move players on before they got past their best. You know, they did many a time. And this is where I, I have a frustration with the club. I don't want to say club, but I want to say a frustration with the club yeah. is that they are la- allowing, and all of them collectively, no matter what the, the decision makers here is, you know, the fact is, Given the players available, giving the manager and the coaching staff available, the owners available, what Liverpool are putting out on the pitch, the representation, there is a, a bunch of players who really, and coaching staff, manage, managerial staff, who are not able to affect something. And Ibu is a, one of our youngest, most promising players, isn't he? You know, <laughs> how, how many like players have we brought in? And, and I do feel that this is the first time, this is why I said sad at the beginning of the show, this is the first time for me that I felt that we are caught in a poor cycle of doing the same bad things again and again and again and not being able to change, not being able to, you, you said yourself, you know, why do the substitutes come so late? This is a manager that took Naby Keita off in the, the new camp at half time, didn't flinch to take Naby Keita off at half time. There were so many players out there today who were putting in a worse performance than Keita did that day. And yet he, 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 he waits so long. It's really, really difficult. We are in a very, very difficult position. I think Harinda put it, you know, so well. Um, this is this is a tough one. I don't, I don't. All I know, or the positivity, the the positivity that I have that will change this is that something will change because football always changes, and you don't necessarily know where it's coming from. But I do think that we, as a fan base, that the club, that the management, that the ownership can't just go well we'll turn it around like we did previously in the season our our previous nightmare under Klopp because this feels worse because this time we've clearly got we know we've got an ownership and I I don't say that to criticize FSG they've done a lot of great for the club but we also know that we've got an ownership looking for a way out or to invest more who accept that we can't go further without something else and if 
if I'm a if I'm a player in the team and my legs have gone, uh, I want to know from management from the club that there are things happening to drive it forward. And I think that's what's that's what what's worrying in a performance like today. Sorry, Nina, I don't, I, you know, I can't, I can't no. take a big spiel of, of, yep, Ibu is great, but within the context of everything, you know, it was just so bad, it so was. sad. It, it was, it was so bad and so sad. And you mentioned your age there and you were like, I'm 53 years old. And I was just like, you know what? Um, you were still not born the last time Liverpool lost away to Brighton, which I think was back in 1961, my commentator. <laughs> as a so I was like, you're still a youngling, but hey, you know, we all saw that together today. And, you know, um, I loved your comments there. And um, also just going back to what um, Harinda said as well, that, you know, um, uh, the rebuild is hard and things. And, you know, we're speaking about Ibu, who's young and... Tom, I'm going to come to you because, again, this is a real big concern as well because some of our players right now are at their peak. You know, Virgil van Dijk's, your Ali's, your Salah's, they're at their peak of their career. You can't allow yourself to get to rock bottom where you have to rebuild because then players have wasted their careers. It's not right. Ibu's one of the youngest. No, you're absolutely right. And um, I'm not sure if it's... It was disgusting. Yeah, and it's it's not. I, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's. I, I, I'm. I'm scared. It's too little, too late, and we've left ourselves with too much to do with this squad to make the most out of. You know, the back end of the peak of Salah, Van Dyke. Um, I was going to say Fabinho, but it looks like he's kind of beyond that peak now. Um, and just some of the others, and because Thiago's not getting any younger, Alisson's probably still a decent age for a goalkeeper and still will be brilliant for a long time. But yeah, I feel like we may have left ourselves with a little bit too much to do to really make the most of that. I think we've left ourselves in a position where the last few years we really needed to capitalise and we left ourselves just that little bit too short too often. There was two or three years where we was probably just the one player short of getting another Premier League or getting a champion, another Champions League, but we just didn't do it. And now we're in a position where those one, maybe two players each window have totaled up and we maybe need six or seven players in to be able to, to move forward, build something and actually go again. And by the time they're ready, who knows what level Salah's going to be at, what time, what, what level uh, Van Dijk's going to be at. Um, it's a, yeah, it's scary. I mean, all all I do know is that we need to go to Brighton and say, what do you want for the Casado? All right, here, here you go. And here's a little bit extra. Thank you. Because it just, he is just ridiculous every single time I watch him. And I watch him and think, if there's just one thing we need, it's that. Like, and I know I'm not too... him. And yeah. tried him. <laughs> he tried. He thought, you're not taking my place. And even Casado, <laughs> he, he weren't having it. But I mean, He's, he's the one thing that we do we do seriously lack. I think, you know, as much as we clamour for Jude Bellingham and how great that would be, and as much as I'd want him, as much as I'd love Enzo Fernandez and those kind of players, I'd do. I, I, I'd go all in on Casado, whatever, whatever the cost. I think he's that good. I think he's in the same bracket. I think he's in the same calibre of player. I think in terms of what he offers, I think it's, it's absolutely spot on. I think it's exactly what we need. So... Yeah, we need to be more ruthless in that regard. I think we need to identify that. And like I say, I don't think one midfielder solves everything, but it's, 
it'll go a long way as to, as far as things go at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's like going back to what you said in regards to the peak of some of the main guys we've got, I'm not sure if that ship has sailed and I don't know if we're too far off being able to compete at the level that they deserve. There's too much to do at this stage. That's so depressing. And you know what, Tom, I'm going to stick with you on the depressing note because there's been some <laughs> chit-chat, lots of chit-chat on Discord. And uh, somebody just posed the question, I'm playing devil's advocate here, so let me... I think I to you yet. Um, sorry, um, I this don't is don't answer Sandy. it. <laughs> 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 sorry, <laughs> Sandy. Sorry, too livid to call. Um, in um for the panel, can I ask when does this become a clop out? Is parting needing for is parting needed for both parties? Um, when I'm not sure, but we're definitely at a stage where. We have every right to start asking the questions. We have to start because, as you know, there's ownership issues. We all know that. We all have. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're Liverpool fans, and if you support Liverpool, you need to understand that we are a club that needs to be competing for everything every season. And under this ownership, they've they've been a massive. As, as much as they've helped us, they've also held us back that little bit in regards to competing. Like I said, where where we've just been a player or so short. Sure, they could have been the difference in terms of stepping up and give, giving us the uh, resources to be able to do that. But also Klopp does have a lot of blame on his shoulders as well, I think, in regards to some of the stubbornness and what I mentioned earlier in terms of some of the loyalty and over-loyalty shown some players. I think, you know, I, I'm not Klopp out and I don't know what at what stage, what position we need to be in for me to kind of have that kind of headspace but I'm certainly in a space now where I'm asking the questions where do we go from here how does he solve it and you know I think you know it was a question that was posed earlier in regards to the players being you know whether they've kind of whether whether he's lost the dressing room whether the players are still singing off the same hymn sheet and yeah, I mean, and, they, and they, that's the thing. We're at that point where we can, we we ha- we do have to start asking these questions, and I don't know whether that's the beginning of a of an end. I don't know if that's just a reaction to what's probably one of the one of, if not the worst, performance we've had under Klopp, or you know, just the the result of where we're at. And yeah, I I don't know if there is an answer to whether we we can start. Well, at what point we start getting to a clop out phase of thinking, I'm I'm certainly not there, but I'm also yeah. reasonable and understand that we do need to ask questions and that we do, and of course, things need to change. I think you've nailed that perfectly. And I'm going to come to John, but before I come to John, I'll just put my two cents worth into this. Uh, for me, get rid of Klopp. Um, uh, for me, yeah, okay, if you're going to get rid of Klopp, there's nobody out there. Let's be realistic. There's nobody out there that is on par 
with a world-class manager like Jurgen Klopp. Now, for me, I agree with you, Tom. He's in, ex- extremely stubborn. Now, he's going to have to take a slice of humble pie. He has to step back, retract, and realise that he got it wrong in order to set things right. He, and, you know, he needs to put his stubbornness aside. He needs to explore all the avenues. And now, if he keeps saying, I don't need a midfielder, some people are saying he's saying that to cover, and John is, John's alluded to this as well, keeping the owners on the side, you know, like kind of saying that, no, 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 I can have money. I just choose not to when maybe the money's not available, you know? So he's covering their backside. If that's the case, then he's not got the best owners in terms of what he wants to do with where we are right now. So for me, there are other things that we need to address. Hopefully we get owners that have money. In an ideal world, we have rich owners who, who give him money, who force him to spend, who force him to spend if he doesn't want to spend. That would be the ideal scenario. Also, you touched on this as well, Tom whether he needs a refresh in the coaching well you know what maybe start getting rid of some of those coaching um, staff and start refreshing getting new ideas explore every single avenue for me i'm not clop out yet because those avenues have not been explored because he like harinda said is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results i he needs to change and for me that's where he's at now now he has to change like there's no way going back i think you said you've not seen a West, uh, you don't, you can't think of the last time Liverpool played this bad. Um, I've been on just Twitter and, um, apparently one of his comments after the game was, um, I can't remember Liverpool being this bad. So he's clearly agreeing with you there, Tom. But for me, I'm not Klopp out yet. For me, I'm at Klopp. You need to change. Klopp, you need to admit defeat. Klopp, you need to set this right. You can do it. That's where I'm at. Because I don't see a manager that can take this on. And if you do get anyone, how do you fix this? John, I'm coming to you. Yeah, I'm just taking a breath there, Nina. That was wonderful. I love the passion. That's really great. Um, I think, you know, it's such a, such a difficult thing. Look, we could go, we could fire Klopp or Klopp could walk tomorrow. You know, these things happen. We've seen it all in football before. It happens. And then whoever comes in, there could be a bounce. Things could improve. Um, you know, that, that does happen. But, you know, when you look at clubs, the serial bouncers at Chelsea did really, really, really well with that. They won a lot of, a lot of you know, trophies. But I think, <clears throat> look at the culture of the club. Other clubs like Everton who've changed their manager, what is it? I don't know, five times in six seasons, six times seven yeah. seasons. I suspect Lampard will be on his way after today's result. You know, it, it's, it's a temporary solution. How, no, it's not a temporary solution. How do you know strategically when it is the right time to move? You, well, you can never plan everything out. But if we look at the whole context of the Klopp FSG era, FSG, who don't know that much about football, come in and hire uh, Hodgson. That goes dismally, and arguably they leave him in position too long, and it's the fan base that forces their hand. In comes, you know... Hodgson was already in before... He he uh, was, exactly, exactly. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, But, you know, it's it's like, you know, that when the the moves that they've made, that, you know, when things... They get rid of um, Dalgleish when he wins a trophy, but things are falling off. Fair enough. They bring in Brendan. uh, They don't back. I think it's naive to bring in someone like Rogers, and you can see what's happened with Rogers subsequently. I think with what they've done with Klopp, we've seen that Klopp's experience, his energy brings them for you know brings us forward we win something but we've all said we've seen at crucial times there has not been investment 
when there should have been, when we win the Champions League, when we win the title. Um, and then, you know, we, we get 2020, is it 2021 when Virgil gets, you know, when we have the injury crisis and we, we again don't react. What do we bring in in January? We bring in two defenders, one that we never see, one who we get rid of instantly at the end of that season. We don't renew his contract. Um, and hey, presto, we seem to be back in a similar situation again where we'll, we're, we will be lucky if we get to the Champions League if we continue in this kind of, kind of vein. I don't think Klopp should go. I don't, I don't think we should be having that conversation. I think we should be having the conversation what is happening within the club that makes poor decisions at, at crucial moments that maybe put the club, the management, the fan base in all difficult positions. But of course, it does come down to Klopp in that if he's not acting, if he's not doing anything, if he's acting passively, if he's not reacting. But I don't think it helps him when he says, no, we don't need any purchases. I'm, I'm happy with the, the side that we've got. Clearly, clearly, we can't be. We've got an aging midfield who's not delivering. It's a really difficult situation. I think this is the most most difficult problematic period under under Klopp that we've experienced, more so than the first time. Honestly speaking, FSG will not get rid of Jurgen Klopp because, first of all, I think it's the manager that they always wanted. Secondly, he he has covered a lot of their cracks in terms of he's over delivered. I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. Any other manager would just expose them. Um. in that regard, I think he's made them and everything look a lot better. And now it's a time where things are falling apart in terms of the investments not being there for whatever reason, whether they, yeah. he, they're not giving it or he doesn't need it. I, you know, we don't know what's what. But for me, I can't see that happening. We can, I think we're absolutely in a healthy position to question Jurgen Klopp. And absolutely. I think that's what, that's what right minded thinking people do. You know, when something's not right, you should question it. You shouldn't follow blind and I love Jurgen Klopp and I think we are questioning him like how can you not need a midfielder or two at the very least but at least one how can you say these things and for me I'm just at that stage now where I think that the first I mean also um, uh, we we also forget the facts guys that during the World Cup, there was there seems to be like it looks like it's gonna be a max uh, a max exodus of you know top flight people leaving the club, which tells you that there's some big unrest going on, and obviously it filters down. So there's a lot going on, and we just don't know about it. But for me, I don't want to sound like a, a gnarly Manchester United sport at the beginning of the season, who was like glazes out, glazes out. But for me now, um, I am at that stage where to compete with what we're having to compete with. And we are competing with, you know, we're on an unfair playing field. We need investment and we need money. And these guys are not it to do it. Yeah. Can I come back to you, Nina? Just mm-hmm. to say, changing the, to answer the question from the, the, the listener, changing Klopp now would be a short-term fix. We might get a bounce. We might not. We as a fan base, the club as a club need to be looking, you know, at it, strate- you know, the whole strategic makeup of the club this is exactly what you're saying you know what are we doing that's wrong that has resulted in this happening once again again it seems to be a lack of you know a lack of investment development the marketing side of the club the financial side of the club has has done really well under fsg alongside our success but i think you know equivocally 
short-termism, if that's a word. You know, I don't think that's going to get us by changing Klopp now. We need to see major, we need to learn our lessons. Yeah, and you gave some good examples there. You know, you spoke of Everton and, of course, even Chelsea now as well, you know, um, sacking of Chelsea. They've just bought someone. Yeah, and they've just bought somebody, yeah, you know, but they've just bought somebody. But, you know, sacking Tuchel and bringing in Potter and now going on a bad run of form and, you know, is and then actually look at the team that we played today, Brighton, who look like they seem to have got their structure right. I don't know much about them, but, you know, Potter leaves. The players are probably in a bit of disarray because they were under a massive bounce under Potter. They knew him. They respected him. They played some good football under him. So the manager leaves on his own terms. They probably felt very dejected. A new man comes in who barely speaks, you know, um, you know, his English isn't his first language, who comes in, takes a little bit of time. But he's, he's imposed himself. He's, you know, he's got them playing good football. I'm not saying they will beat us, but, you know, they're, they're ahead of us now in the league. Things are working good for them. And that's the difference. I mean, I don't even know where to go now. I mean, Tom, I'm going to come to you. Let's go back to the game. Uh, we come out in the second half. Uh, we concede really early on. A brain fart moment for Matip. Uh, you know, and they just sort of pass through us. Nice and easy. Matoma just threads it across um, our goal and um, march with a tap in. We just look absolutely bemused and shell-shocked. Like, we've not even got out of the gears for the second half. Um, I want to get your thoughts on us conceding at that point. For me, it was thoroughly deserved. I thought they deserved a goal in the first half. Um, it was thoroughly coming. And I did not at any point think that we could... The sad thing is, this is where we're at. When Liverpool used to go goal behind, I was like, we'll get two, we'll get three. They used to be an air of arrogance and confidence about me watching Liverpool. And I was just like, can't see it. We can't get the ball to mm-hmm. our front men. Yeah, yeah. And I think you touched on it earlier where you said about the, the substitutions at half-time. I think the fact that we luckily went in at, at nil-nil, maybe I think Klopman might have been a bit naive there and thought, OK, we're still we're still in the game. It's still nil-nil. We can keep it as it is and hopefully it will, something will change. We'll say something at half-time and something will change. But maybe, but yeah, I think... It shouldn't have really made a difference. I think the way that we were playing, we should have probably made those three or four changes and come out the second half trying to do something completely different. But again, we kind of went out trying to do the same thing and it was we got punished for it quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, the goal itself, the first one, yeah, I mean, I thought Matt was quite was diabolical throughout, like most players, but... Um, you know, I think he was trying to do the, in that position. I wasn't sure what else he could have done. I did. It, it, looked, it looked as though like Henderson kind of was making the run towards him, but it looked like he was trying to almost hide. He wasn't trying to make a an elaborate show for the ball. He wasn't demanding the ball to his feet. He looked like he was kind of making the run, out the ball, yeah. kind of hid behind someone. Mm. And when he never looked like he wanted the ball at all, so it kind of typified where we were at throughout the game. No one really stood up and took responsibility. No one really stood up and, you know, other than, I'd say maybe other than Ibu, no one else really stood up and counted in the game. And I think that game, that, that first goal kind of typified it and it's kind of set the tone for the rest of it. And they got, got a taste for it and thought, okay, if we're just a bit more ruthless, put the ball in behind them, you know, which we've seen over and over again, and we're going to get some goals today. And then it just got easier and easier for them. 
it really did. And I don't think what helped the right-hand side was the fact that, of course, Matip got a yellow card in the first half and Hendo got one as well mm-hmm. on his challenge on Caicedo. And I think that's where, you know, the, that's where, um, you know, Brighton were going to put all the pressure. Um, I'm going to come to you. I mean, I just briefly want to touch on these goals, uh, John, because I'm quite disgusted, can't lie. But um, <laughs> I want to get your... <laughs> I just want to get your... Cause, I mean, you know, really? I mean, I want to get your thoughts. I mean... They scored the first goal um, on 46 minutes. And then, of course, um, within a few minutes, I think it was like on the 52 minutes, I mean, Sonny March gets a second. And we just look so flat. Just there's nothing about us. There's no response. There's no anger in our defence. Like, come on, wake up. No, no, no rallying the men. You know, nothing. Just nothing. Just stood there just looking at each other. But at any point, did you feel like, oh, Liverpool could come back into this? I mean, I want to get your thoughts on just conceding those two goals so quickly and just brain fart moments in the defence as usual. Um, I think with the first two, the first the first goal, aside from it happening, that that didn't concern me as much as the second one. The second one, I think, I, f- I felt like, of course, I, I couldn't go back and watch it again, but I felt like you know we were we were in their half, and then almost they cut through us like an, a hot knife going through butter. They it's literally they went straight through. Yeah, they went straight through us. I mean, he takes the goal, the second goal. It's a br- it's brilliant, but the fact that they get so easily into the final third of of the pitch is just horrific. When Klopp makes the substitutions, um, I think the other the other thing that looked good for me was was Doak. Um, I think I felt that if there was going to come from anything, it was going to come from his bloody mindedness. I know Harvey Elliott has a shot that he pulls dreadfully wide, and you know that was the the one moment I felt that oh, well, you know, there could be something there. But then they go up the pitch and score. And just when I thought there might possibly something for us, they score again, you know, Danny Welbeck of all people coming back to, to haunt us. Um, oh no, it could, and it could have been so much more if Alison hadn't been, been playing, you know, well, Jesus. I know it could have easily been six nil. You're absolutely spot on. And I'll come to you, to, um, Tom. The Welbeck goal was just embarrassing in terms of defending. I mean, the fact that Welbeck's allowed to flick it on, you know, Gomez in no man's land, literally he just flicks it past him. And, you know, it was just, it's really, really schoolboy error stuff. Yeah, it's like they've given up at that point. It was just yeah. kind of like, is this, is this, is the full time whistle not come yet? How long, how, how long until the full time whistle? Can I go home now? It was just a case of what well, I don't care if they score another, they score another. It's still, it's, it's not going to be any worse than it currently is. It's just, yeah, all at sea. I mean, and to, I thought it was quite a pathetic effort from Gomez on that as well. Just yep. rash, just not thinking, throwing throwing himself towards it without real much, well, without much thought at all. Considering he just come on and maybe should be making a case for himself to get some more minutes and get some more starts. I thought it was quite poor, but. I mean, what, what do you expect at this point? It's just, they, they were, I think we were at that stage in the game where after the score, the second goal, I never felt much much confidence. And well, no, at no point did I feel much confidence. But once that second goal goes in, you know, it's it's done. And I'm, I kind of felt like, like I said, I think from the, from the first whistle, it, there was there was fear. And by the time they'd scored a couple of goals, it was kind of accepting that we had lost and we just 
let's get home and try and start from scratch, probably thinking to to tomorrow. Probably, I don't know what Klopp has planned for him. He said that he didn't, I, I just saw that he said after the game he didn't have much to say to the players because there's not much he can say at this point that's going to help. So, yeah, I don't know whether it's tomorrow straight back into the training ground and get them working on it or give everyone a day to reflect on how embarrassing that was and almost kind of give them time to feel the pain and then kind of start from scratch almost. I don't know what the plan is, but yeah, it, it needs to be somewhat drastic, whether it's tear up the blueprint and go go from scratch or, yeah, I'm not sure at this point. Yeah. I don't think a club knows at this point as well. So, you know what? We're just playing it by ear. rejected. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, guys, I think we've talked about the bulk of the game. There's anything you kind of want to get off your chest. I just basically, you know, want to just forget this game and this result as quick as possible. Although I think it's going to prove to be quite hard. John, anything from the game that you feel needs mentioning? From the match itself, no, in terms of the play or anything. I just, you know, I, I do think we've got, we have got great players. You know, let's, let's, let's not lose sight of that. We have got some really great players. We've got some players who are nearing the end of their time at Liverpool, clearly. But I think what, what we can take with us today is that, you know, we are in a period of transition. And I think I want to see something different in the cup against Wolves. Yeah, I say you just bin the cup off, in my personal opinion. I'd certainly don't play the players that you're going to expect to wheel out in the Premier League, um, given the fact that they've got no no flipping steam in their legs left. Um, what about what about you, um, Tom? Anything from the game you feel like he's highlighting? There's no man of the match today. Not doing it. <laughs> Not doing it. Um, the game, though. I can't put myself through thinking more, much more about it, to be honest with you. I think in terms of just general thoughts I think we need to go back find what are the strong pillars and what our team and what's what they believe is going to deliver us success moving forward and just build around it everything else either needs to be pushed to the back or gotten rid of completely as players whether it's staff whether it's structure whether it's the system they think that we need to be playing I think it just all needs to be stripped back to a point where right what does work what we what do we actually need to build around and um build everything around that and uh, and everything else just burn it get rid of it start again because um and yeah i mean the new ownership thing sounds like it's heating up hopefully that will make a difference hopefully we can be a bit more ruthless but yeah i mean Burn, burn the house down and see what else is, see what stands and, and take it from there. I'm not sure. I think that's fair, given how we're all feeling today. Guys, we have come to the end of the show. Um, uh, I don't really want to say an awful lot now as well. I think I've said what I needed to say. Um, I just want to thank everyone that joined us live. Um, we really, really appreciate it, given how horrendous that was. A massive thank you to both Justin and Harinda who called in and a big thanks to these two excellent gents who, um, you know, spoke a lot of sense and gave me a really good show given the fact that that was absolutely horrendous to watch. And um, before I let them go, I just want to get some plugs and, uh, you know, 
see what they're up to. John, I'm going to come to you. Um, where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, just find me on, on Twitter or come find me on Vero. Um, that's about the only places that I'm active these days, those two places. Happy to say hi if you're on Twitter. There you go. Give, give John a follow on, on Twitter. And um, Tom, what about yourself? Where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? And hopefully we get both of you on more of these podcasts because you were excellent today. Yeah, I was going to say nothing really to plug unless I'm on this show a bit more moving forward. Um, Twitter at Tom on the Cop, and uh, yeah, that's that's all really. Nowhere else to find me. Give both of these a follow, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, hopefully, it doesn't affect your weekend too much. Um, I'll be back next week. I think we play Chelsea. That's going to be fun. Um, uh, yeah, till next time, take care and up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.